Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Solutions Watch, the first edition of Solutions Watch for the year 2024, to be precise. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, out here in the beautiful wintry climes of Western Japan, out in nature, because it makes me feel a little happier to be outside, connected with the real world, rather than cooped up in a room speaking to you from a desk. But this makes me happy? Does it really make me happy? Is there a scientific study to show that this makes me happy? And if not, what can science tell us about what does make us happy? <laughs> Asked no one ever except the Wall Street Journal. Yes, I'm going to take for the launching point of today's exploration a, uh, a ridiculous report that came across my news feeds in the not too distant past from the Wall Street Journal about the question of happiness and what activities make people happy and how can we know that this is actually a way to increase happiness, etc., etc. Which, the way they frame it, the way they talk about it, as we will see, is stupid, ridiculous, um, can be dismantled in so many different ways. But it is an important question because one point that they do make in this article that I think is an important one is that if you ask our overlords at Google who know more about you than you know about yourself, apparently the question, how do I become happy, is more often Googled than the question, how do I become rich? Yes, because people see that monetary security is, of course, important for our well-being in this monetary money-based society, but uh, happiness is a separate question altogether and a more important one, or at least a more often asked one. So let's ask that question today. How, how can we become happy? What what does make us happy? How do we find that? How do we nurture that? I think that is an inherently positive way to start out the new year, and there will be plenty of very serious deep dive investigations and, and podcasts and what have you coming out from CorbettReport.com this year. There will be many Solutions Watch episodes on the big grand ideas and movements and things that people can do, but here's something very, very close to people's hearts that I want to speak to as the first offering for this new year. So let's, let's explore that Wall Street Journal article that I was talking about there. It's called, Sadly, Many Happiness Studies Are Flawed. And it starts off by saying, New research concludes that older practices in psychology allowed scientists to find results when in truth there were none. <gasps> Shocker. Wow, trust the science, guys, until we tell you then, until we admit, oh, it was all wrong. Um, so this article starts off by noting that some activities people associate with happiness, like meditating, working out, and spending time in nature, lack scientific evidence to prove they lift your spirits. Oh no, what will we do? Well, we'll ask psychologist Elizabeth Dunn of the University of British Columbia about this question. Do these activities that people associate with happiness, are, is there any scientific evidence backing that up? And so apparently Elizabeth Dunn looked into it and found, lo and behold, well, actually, of the five activities most often recommended, um, expressing gratitude, being social, exercising, spending time in nature, and meditating, there was no evidence or insufficient evidence for th three of those activities. Specifically, Dunn and her co co-researcher scoured the scientific literature for studies that examined the effects of each activity on moods. They gathered 494 peer-reviewed papers involving healthy people in which one of the five happiness strategies was evaluated against a control group, but when they weeded out weekly designed work, 
only 57 robust studies were left. That's 57 of 494. The vast majority of the papers were too poorly designed to support their conclusions. And it goes on to say, but even these failed, these studies, the 57 that were left, failed to confirm that three of the five activities the researchers analyzed reliably made people more happy. Um, uh, studies attempting to establish that spending time in nature, meditating, and exercising had either weak or inconclusive results. The evidence just melts away when you actually look at it closely. It's, it's Schrodinger's evidence, I guess. Um, yes, okay, there's so many things to pick apart with this, and so many things to, to reflect on and analyze, one of which should immediately spring to mind to people who are familiar with the Corbett Report archives, specifically my episode on the crisis of science and the type of statistical chicanery and other um, methods for making making cases for things that are not there that I documented in that important episode of the podcast. It's in my best of. It's also on opensourceeducation.online if you're looking for it there, crisis of science. Um, but as, as they go on to say, and it's quite apropos for today's conversation, a handful of scandals in psychology in the 2010s, including a bombshell paper that demonstrated the danger of p-hacking, that's that type of statistical chicanery I was referring to, by showing tongue-in-cheek that people who listened to the Beatles song, When I'm 64, grew younger, <laughs> sent shockwaves through the field and forced researchers to re-examine the status quo. Yes, by doing statistical manipulation, you can show anything you want. Eating ch only chocolate, a all chocolate diet is good for you, or whatever you want, because you examine dozens and dozens and dozens of different variables, and then you just cherry pick the ones that that for the particular sample that you're using in the particular time frame you're examining it. Oh, it looks like there's a correlation there. We'll call that a statistically significant event and hey, good, we're all good, right? Um, anyway, the crisis of science if you want more on that. But there's a much deeper problem with this entire article and the entire way this is being framed and everything that they're talking about it, which to my mind immediately springs to mind is First of all, who cares? Who cares? Being in nature makes me happy. I do not need scientific analysis of that. And what study am I going to rely on to tell me about my own experience of my own lived reality? That's nonsense. And anyone who does that, my God, can you imagine people who need to be handheld to the extent of I need a scientist to come along and tell me what makes me happy or how to achieve happiness. Just, that's really sad actually to think about. And all of the problems inherently associated with the very idea that scientists can measure and study and analyze this like something in a, in a test tube or in a beaker or something that they're, they're, they're working with in their lab, laboratory. Oh, we've measured and there's nine units of happiness in this activity, but only three in this activity. Nonsense. Twaddle. Complete. Well, I would use a stronger word, but this is a family-oriented program, so I will not. But you get my point. Um, what about the question of... Okay, so let's say that this... This activity, this whatever it is, being in nature, exercising, meditating, whatever it is, increases happiness in 79% of people by this marked degree of happiness quotient increase or whatever nonsense they come up with. That still, even if that were the case, and if even if you could statistically analyze that type of thing, it still makes 
no difference whatsoever to me as an individual. Again, sure, whatever, 79% of people report this or that about this activity, even if that were true, that still does not mean anything for me as a single individual. I could be one of the 21% that isn't accounted for in that 79%, right? I could be the one individual in the entire world who gets genuine happiness out of being in nature. I don't think that's the case. But anyway, even if that were the case, it's still, for me, is my happiness. I do not need scientists to evaluate that for me and tell me how to live happy, happily. Um, having said that, as you can see, this actually makes me quite agitated. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll close up the electronic device and get rid of the Wall Street Journal for now because I have spent uh, the last few months collecting um, just little snippets of conversation with some previous Solutions Watch guests on this question of happiness, not in an attempt to presume to tell anyone out there how to what makes them happy, what should make them happy, or how to find their happiness, but because this question of the pursuit of happiness, what is happiness? How do we find it? How, how should we be pursuing it? We hold these truths to be self-evident, blah, 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 blah. Uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Why is that an important activity? Is it? What does that mean? How do we go about doing that? Listening to people thinking about this and talking about it, I think can be interesting and at least help us to reflect what works for us as individuals, which I think is what this ultimately comes down to. So, as I say, I have asked a number of previous Solutions Watch guests um, about this question. What is the pursuit of happiness? Why should we be pursuing it? And how do we achieve it? It's a pretty big question. And the funniest part is I sprung this question on them I did not give them time to prepare be precisely because I wanted their immediate off-the-cuff off the answer. Not a prepared answer, just immediately what they thought about the subject. So, we're going to listen to some answers from various people here and, uh, well, make of it what you will. I think there's some very interesting food for thought in here. If you don't know of any of the people, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, of course the links to all of these individual guests and their respective websites and podcasts will be in the show notes. But let's listen to this question. What is the pursuit of happiness and how do we go about that? I think we've been, we've been sold a pup. Uh, I'm not sure when it started for our civilization and our species, but what we're being sold as happiness, I think is a classic bait and switch. People have been gulled into thinking that happiness is having your every whim, your every heart's desire met to the fullest extent 100% of the time. That it, It's a kind of a, a childish notion of heaven where you can have everything you want and as much of everything you want whenever you want it all the time. And I do not perceive of that as happiness in any meaningful sense, I would be more inclined to equate that with being permanently drunk or inebriated or drugged into an altered state. I think sadness gets a bad rap. Sadness as the antithesis of happiness 
is is uh, held up to as, as something we ought to avoid at all costs. That that the ideal life would somehow be one that was utterly untouched by sadness at any point across three score years and ten. So, I think happiness means, I would say, the opportunity to experience all of the textures of existence so that they can be compared and contrasted with one another. And in order, I would say, to have lived anything that might equate as a, as a happy life, you would have to have gone through the whole gamut of human emotions and experiences so that you would be able to say, well, based on that and this, here was happiness. Here was here was a, a certain moment of relief from suffering, or or when all the cosmic tumblers just seems to click into place and something opened into my consciousness, if only momentarily, and you would understand, you'd be able to reflect on those moments of happiness because they were within the context of the of the whole of the experience of a of a life lived. And when it comes to the pursuit of happiness, you know, obviously that's something that we all learn from the from the Declaration of the, the, the American Declaration of Independence, 1776, where amongst the inalienable rights were life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when approaching that, you, you have to consider properly what inalienable means. Inalienable it means that, well, from your creator. In, in terms of the, the the context of the American Declaration of Independence, that that God imbued each of us with rights to, to, to freedom and to and to and to pursue happiness and, and to life itself, and that by being inalienable, it means that they're not they're not given to you by any person. They can't be taken from you by any person. But here's the kicker: there's a third rule. Even if you wanted to, you can't surrender your inalienable rights. You are effectively lumbered with them. And being independent and having to take responsibility for your own destiny can be an onerous responsibility. I mean, a lot of people would just rather be told what to do. Oh, that's too hard. J just tell me where to go, what to do, and give me enough food and give me some pocket money for, you know, you know some spare time. But no, as it turns out, your inalienable rights, you can't surrender them. You have to be free. And and being free only really matters when it's challenged. Anyone can be free when no one's involved with you in any negative sense. Freedom only suddenly almost um, is made manifest because someone's trying to take it away. And you might want to think oh, I'll just surrender, it'll be easier, I'll just, oh yeah, take my freedom, just whatever, just not my face, just don't hit my face. But because it's an inalienable right, it's precisely in that moment when someone's threatening your freedom that you have to stand up and defend it. Oh God, I'm going to have to defend my freedom. That's what inalienable means. It's an important word. It's an important concept. You can't surrender it, even if you think it would make your life temporarily or permanently easier. And as for the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of happiness is about giving every inch 
every, oh, the whole nine yards of of your uh, capacity and your ability to making the world a better place for the people around you. And that if you do that, if you if you give yourself to making everyone else's lot better, easing their pain, making their life better, then you will accidentally almost make yourself happy. That's that's where your happiness will come from. That's the pursuit of happiness. And so it's it's what I'm saying is I suppose it's almost the antithesis of what kids get told will make them happy. They think if they have all the all the smartphones and all the laptops and 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 they're and they're famous on TikTok and they're on TikTok and they've got a million ten million followers that they'll be happy. It's the opposite of happiness. That's not happiness. Happiness is tough. In the Birkenhead drill that you and I were talking about, James, Rudyard uh, Kipling wrote about it and said, to stand and be still to the Birkenhead drill is a damned hard bullet to chew. The pursuit of happiness, the responsibility of being free and pursuing happiness is hard. For many people, it would be easier to walk away from it and not face up to the challenge. But the, the problem is, the challenge is, that it's our inalienable right and we can't shirk it. We've got to do everything we can to pursue happiness, whether we want to or not. Happiness is a state of fulfillment that is reached by contributing to an environment that is progressively uh, becoming better. And in return, and, and, and the feeling of happiness is the kind of the return that the, and the improving environment gives to you. Well, for, for me, though, I've, I it's quite related to what has happened uh, lately, I would have to say, actually, because I've, I've always been looking for something important to do all my life i want to do something that's uh, you want to as a child you want to be a firefighter and or a policeman or do something uh important and for me the fact of being able to speak the truth and actually have something to say or be able to share uh information that i think is important uh, really gives me, it's weird, in this very difficult time that has uh, been over the last, especially the last years, where uh, I've really started to see the entire system and how everything is constructed. And being able to actually uh, speak what I believe is the truth, of course, I don't know everything, but um, I am pretty, I, am, I know 100% that I uh, I want to be on the right side. So what I do, I do because I believe in it. So, and that gives me a great happiness actually to be able to, uh, in one way or another, uh, convey what I believe in, what I believe is the truth and what I believe that people needs to hear. And um, yeah, so in, in this time where it's been very, very difficult and we have had gone, oh, we've gone through so many hard challenges over the last years and I've been deeply depressed at times and it's been horrible to see 
I, I think I said it before, but the worst thing with everything that's happened is to see everyone that is going along, uh, along and actually attacking us when we try to say what we're saying. But despite of this, actually to to speak my mind and not being afraid to say what I mean and having a platform where we can reach people, it's been, I've, yeah, it's the biggest happiness I can actually have. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a big question, really. Uh, I personally, I thought it was possible to find happiness in life. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes you have to get out of abusive relationships. And I thought if I did that, I would be happy. <laughs> but then I did that. And then this happened in the world. And that was shocking to me because that's another abuse. And it's a narcissistic abuse, like you can experience in families or being bullied and those things. Um, so it was shocking to me to have this happening. It's like another round, just bigger in a way. Um, but I'm still motivated to get out of it uh, and to decentralize, to grow our own food, and to be around people that are good and not abusive. I, I think it should be possible, but it, it's shocking how difficult it has become to get out of abuse. Uh, so, but it must be possible. I, I don't know. I'm a Christian as well. So I'm not sure this thing is going to end well for the world. Uh, but at least I think there's happiness on the other side, at least. <laughs> and I hope it's possible to find bits and pieces of it here. Still, I'm, I mean, I'm always an optimist. I always believe that if there's something that is bad for you, you at least you have to work to get out of it as best as you can. And and like Frodo said, to, to speak out against the injustices and... That's what we're doing with our podcast. Frodo wrote his book, Bill Goats in the Forest. And I also wrote a book uh, for a Norwegian audience, audience about conformity in Norway. And um, I think that is also a thing that is suppressing people a lot. Uh, so I think we have to speak up against what is unjust and then hope uh, for ourselves and everyone else that we can find happiness and uh, but I think there's so much happiness in the nature and it, for me with God and also with animals. When we had chickens, we were really happy. <laughs> it was really fun when they were landing on the shoulder and, and um, you know, they, they were really jolly chickens. <laughs> and we had a little cat that we saved. It was blind and, and we saved it. So that is happiness. Those simple things, those small things to me. And then Frodo said, yeah, we felt depressed about what was going on in the world. When, when I was in the garden growing food and I could harvest fruits and salad and everything from the garden and make it and make healthy food, I felt really happy. So I guess that was my first kind of anchor to happiness after the shock of everything that was going on. I, I could feel, start to feel happy and normal again. Because, okay, they can control our societies and our money, but they cannot control, as long as we have the nature and what is natural, 
that is a source of happiness for me. Well, I don't know if you have anything else to that. Yeah, well, okay. yeah, nature is great. That's that's true because one of the things how I managed to stay sane is to go for a run in the forest. That's that's uh, it's a super simple thing. I just need a pair of running shoes and then shorts and a t-shirt and it clears my mind it is, is uh, amazing so that's a very simple solution how to stay sane and, and and feel the closeness to nature and just relax and yeah feel happiness true the pursuit of happiness is the pursuit of your own development as a human your own development as a person Happiness is not something to seek. You will find happiness through progress in your life, through growth, through, through visual, through, through having a vision and finding your way to make that vision into reality. You will find happiness because you've achieved it. Um, progress equals happiness. And fulfillment brings happiness. And fulfillment comes from you really going for it in life and not holding back and working through the self-imposed barriers of self-doubt and fear and you know concern with other people might think etc but that's i hope that answers the question i don't think i don't think happiness should be the aim that's where you're you're definitely going to find yourself unhappy all right well there you go a lot of different ideas in there i'm sure you will agree and uh I'm sure you'll have your own thoughts about them. I am looking forward to hearing about that. What is happiness? How do we pursue it? What does that mean? Is it an important activity? Um, what do you do to achieve your happiness? And how does that reflect or not reflect on others? I am interested in your feedback on all of these things, but of course I am interested in receiving it at CorbettReport.com. So as always, Corbett Report members are invited to log into the website and leave your comments in this post, corbettreport.com slash solutions-watch-happiness. So, having said all of that, uh, I think this is a nice, light way of easing ourselves into 2024. Plenty of more material coming at you very shortly, um, but I think that'll do it for today. James Corbett, corbettreport.com. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64?